What is going on, Craft Beer Hustlers family, and welcome to episode six of the Craft Beer Hustlers podcast. This week we have Dave, the director of the Craft Rhode Island movie, and we are super excited to have him on. We talk a lot of different things from the movie itself to his starts in craft beer, as well as legislature that's going through Massachusetts and things that we'd like to see changed in Rhode Island. This episode is a fantastic episode and absolutely highly recommend checking out The Craft Rhode Island. But without further ado, let's get on to the episode. What is going on, Craft Beer Hustler family? We are here this week with our guest, Dave Ritchie of The Craft Rhode Island Movie. Um, We are finally sitting down with a new guest. Haven't done it for a couple of weeks, but we are super excited. Dave, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. And as always, we have Johnny as well. I don't think we can do an episode without him. Um, But as always, starting off the episode with beers, uh, what's everyone drinking? Dave, new new one on the uh, podcast. What do you got going on right now? I'm going to reach behind me um, and I'm going to pull up. Actually, I'm not drinking both of them at once, (laughs) but uh, what I am drinking. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, I probably will go through both of them by the time the show is over. Um, so you'll notice the poster behind me, which is the Craft Rhode Island. That's our movie. And I have two branded beers called the Craft Rhode Island uh, that were released over the past couple of weeks. Um, this one in my right hand, which looks in my screen as my left hand, uh, is the Craft Rhode Island from Linesider Brewing Company in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Uh, they did an 8% raw New England double IPA, uh, which is outstanding. And um this brewery is owned by Jeremy Ruff and uh, Dan Copen, uh, formerly of the New England Patriots, two-time Super Bowl champion. So those guys are in our movie. Uh, and then I also have the Craft Rhode Island, which was released by Foolproof Brewing Company in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This is a pineapple IPA, uh, single IPA, not double IPA. They released this a um, couple days ago. Uh, we've been staggering these releases every two weeks. And this beer is also awesome. So if people want to get down to either Lion Cider or Foolproof, I recommend it. That's awesome. I didn't know you guys were releasing beers alongside the movie. Um, I can tell you for a fact, Johnny will not be drinking the Lion Cider one because he is an avid Eagles fan. Uh-oh, that's, uh, <laughs> I'm out. that's troublesome. I'm the, out. Uh, well, the Eagles, you know, they, they have our number now. You know, uh, actually, that was Brady's best Super Bowl, I would argue, and uh, <laughs> And they lost because he usually sucks in the Super Bowl, except for like one quarter. Uh, but, you know, I'll tip my cap to, to Johnny and the Eagles for that one. And uh, now, we'll, now we'll move on to Stidham, I guess, or, or maybe Cam. Yeah, so. good luck. I'll, I'll, I'll never let that one go. That will forever and always, uh, I would say, most likely be the highlight of my football fandom. Um, I think I lost probably six or yeah, seven friends that game. It's... Um, the, the first one that, that I experienced back in, you know, 01, I guess 02, uh, the Rams Super Bowl. I was playing hockey at the University of Rhode Island. Actually, we were at Villanova uh, driving back. And uh, so we listened to the first half in, in, on the bus getting back to URI. And I drove about a buck ten to get back to my house in Smithfield, Rhode Island. And um, I just remember s- s- just spinning around in circles, swearing at the top of my lungs when <laughs> – when the kick went through the uprights. And uh, so, so I'm with you on that first one. You'll never forget it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I think, ooh, go ahead, Dan. I was just going to say, I don't think we need to pump Johnny's tires anymore, but that's just me. <laughs> I actually, I, I have a pretty good gambling story in regards to, to, uh, to that Super Bowl, but I'll, I'll hold off. We'll, we have uh, bigger fish to fry. <laughs> 
Is this the same story that we've talked about in our first episode? No, I have. A, there's like a, a they called it a, a Commonwealth parlay, and it was something that like Bovada had just put together. And uh, so, it, all right, I'll, okay, give me two seconds. It was uh, over 48 and a half points. Uh, it was Tom Brady to throw for over 220 yards. It was. Um, what else was it? I'm forgetting. Oh, first penalty to be on the Patriots and the coin toss heads. So those were the four things and everything hit because that whole game was like an offensive onslaught, except the first penalty was on the mm-hmm. Eagles. It was terrible. That was oh my God. Yep. Yeah. So the first penalty, it was an offsides or a false start on Zach Ertz. I'll also never forget that. Cause that was like, that parlay was stupid odds. Me and a buddy of mine who just started listening to the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Love you. Uh, put like a hundred bucks on it. We would have won like three grand. It was something stupid. Oh my, and oh my God. yeah, it was something stupid. And that was the one thing that, that lost it for us. I was so upset. Did, didn't Ertz <laughs> catch a, did he catch a touchdown in that game or did he, uh, he caught a big first down or something like that? I think uh, maybe yeah, on I the mean, fourth down or something like that. So yeah, yeah I, I hate that guy. I don't even know what position he is. I think he's a tight end, but I still hate him. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll get back to the important stuff. I am, uh, I, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm mad at myself. I'm repeating here. I have another Julius going today. I know, I'm slacking. It's been a long week at work. I apologize to Dan, to Dave. I apologize to all the hustlers. Uh, five, what, six episodes in, I'm already repeating. I suck. Uh, but that's what I got today, Julius from Treehouse. What do you got, Dan? Uh, I am drinking the double dry hopped cream of broccoli by other half. Uh, yeah, I just got this in the mail from, uh, my trade partner, uh, who's always sending me a bunch of other half in Hudson Valley. So super delicious. Uh, me and Dave were talking about it before. Um, it is definitely an oats, uh, oat stout an oat IPA because it is like super full body, super like pillowy mouthfeel um but it is fruity it is delicious definitely one that if you haven't checked out definitely one to check out so with that being said we're all drinking johnny has already gotten to some of the gambling dave um (laughs) this is where we'll start our interview with you um so how did you get into craft what were you what were you up to that kind of drove you into the craft beer scene and uh how did you fall in love with with everything that we love Oh God, um, that's a tough question. I guess I'll I'll start um, kind of how the movie came to to fruition. In that um, up until you know up until we started doing the movie, uh, I would consider myself a casual craft beer fan. I mean, I obviously drank craft beer, um, but I remember back in like 2012 around there. Um, you know, my go-to would either be like Boston Lager from from Sam Adams or, you know, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, maybe, you know, Loose Cannon by Heavy Seas, um, which I thought were, were killer at the time. And uh, it was around that time that a buddy of mine um, who I grew up playing hockey with told me, uh, oh, you, you know, this guy, Nick Garrison, he owns Foolproof Brewing Company in, in Rhode Island. And I had never heard of Foolproof before. Um, I had no idea what was going on in the Rhode Island craft beer scene. So again, that was like 2012. And then, you know, I continued drinking again, the Sierras and, and things like that, going to your local you know, liquor store. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I mentioned off camera that I am actually a, a high school history and government teacher. Um, 
and uh, in, in Providence. And so I just completed my, my 15th year. So um, my media company is actually a part-time gig still um, that is 11 Design. My, my company is owned by uh, myself, my sister, my brother, and my brother-in-law. So the four of us. We were doing, I have a background in politics, I have a master's in political science. And so uh, we started off with Eleven doing a lot of political work, uh, consulting, campaigning, things like that. And um, back in like 2016 or 17, uh, we got a drone. I promise I'll finish the story in a moment. Um, so, we, so we started, uh, my brother and I went out and started shooting some drone footage around the state. And we, re- we ended up releasing a drone reel. Um, that ended up going like mini viral. It got like over 1,100 shares, like 77,000 views on Facebook in two weeks. Uh, it got picked up by Rhode Island PBS. This is where the story's headed. And uh, so they aired it on on their programming. And they were in the midst of going through an overhaul. And so they were looking for new content. And uh, the director of programming at that point in time was asking me, uh, hey, do you have any other ideas? And I had known, again, casually that the beer scene was kind of exploding at that at that point or had already exploded. And I was like, what about a documentary about the Rhode Island craft beer scene? And he's like, that sounds great. He said, you know, put together a pilot, put together a proposal and, um, you know, and send it to us. So having known Nick Garrison through my friend, uh, we went to Foolproof in August of 2017. I, you know, had had prepared, you know, as much as I could as a as a historian and a researcher, like just thinking about what questions would, would someone else want answered. And, um, you know, after that first interview, we thought it was good, but there was no story there yet. And, and long story short, we ended up putting together a pilot. We were able to get a hold of maybe four or five breweries and uh, put together like a 12 minute pilot, sent it to PBS. And they were like, oh, uh, you want money for this? We we don't have any money. Getting on Rhode Island PBS is the prize. And we were like, yeah, no, thanks. So uh, I'm going to keep it G-rated for now, but it's kind of funny because, you know, we decided to finish it on our own. Uh, We completed it in April of 2019. Um, There was a May 1st deadline for submission into the Rhode Island International Film Festival, which which is an Oscar qualifying film festival. Uh, So we submitted it. We got in, um, which I couldn't believe. And then we ended up winning a grand prize uh, at that festival, um, which is surreal i mean just completely incredible to the point where i thought i blacked out when i accepted uh this trophy right here by the way in case anyone doesn't believe me (laughs) there it is um and uh so after that we picked up an agent and um and she loved it she pitched it uh and then we have a a great distribution company called kdmg out in portland oregon um that that was able to get us uh screening nationwide streaming nationwide i should say so right now, folks can, can find it across the country. Um, and the last thing I'll say before I let you guys finally jump back in is, uh, you know, they they like it because I think Kyle, the owner of KDMG, really, uh, as a craft beer um, fan, uh, sees potential in doing a series of, of the crafts. So they might want to bring us out to Oregon to do to do a sequel next. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And that, I know we had talked about that through text exchange and I I see a huge potential with that. Um, going into watching the movie, I, I didn't have much expectations, uh, not in regards to it being whether it was going to be good or bad, but more so just I, I love craft beer. I wanted to see what the story was that you guys were going to tell. Um, and even with Foolproof, um, it has been one that's been on my radar um, because of 
uh, one of my friends, Sammy, she's from Rhode Island herself, mm-hmm. and she loves their Piccolodian beer. And I know so that is my sister. Yeah, they yeah. Just love it so much. And uh, I know that's kind of like a cult classic beer. And um, I know that it, it gets talked about. It never is said. The name's never said out loud in the movie. But I, I knew exactly what it was as soon as they were talking about it. Well, so. it's, it's funny that you, you say that because um, at that Oktoberfest in, uh, was that 2018, I'm guessing, uh, that was the day they released it. Uh, they didn't have a name for it yet. And oh, so, really? Well, yeah. So when we were there filming, you know, they, they released some specialty beers for that. Uh, for that festival or the event. And um, yeah, that he's like, as you saw in the movie, you know, it tastes a little bit like pickle juice if that's your bag. And that was the the birth of Piccolodian, which, as you said, is a, a cult following now. Yeah. And uh, how many runs of that? Do you know how many oh runs my God. they've done of that? Uh, a lot. Um, yeah. There was one restaurant in Rhode Island that, that uh, bought like a shitload of kegs of it. Um, they bought them <laughs> out. Like when they did one run of it, they just bought it out. And um but they're they've now they now even have like a barrel aged Piccolodian um, specialty beer. Yeah. So it's um, they're still doing it. I mean, I was there the other day doing our little promo when we when we filmed the canning of our beer and uh, they still have it on the shelves. Um, but they, I think they only had a four pack left. Um, so but they keep running it. So it's, it's good. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot with pickle beers, too, because um, up here uh, down the road um, before, obviously, um the the owner passed away and now uh unfortunately they they haven't reopened i don't think they're going to but they had uh they had a pickle beer as well Mm -hmm. i forget what it was called i think it was oh sam sam the pickle man oh no they had so yeah i know i know they are very super super niche but people love them so i haven't tried i haven't tried piccolodian but that's definitely one i i do want to try for sure um yeah so Dave, so, so something I was thinking, so you get in touch with PBS, doesn't end up panning out long term, but but take us through kind of the initial thought. They say, all right, like we see potential in this, get us a pilot. Um, yeah. What were your initial thoughts and, and what was kind of your game plan from there? Yeah, that, I think that's a great question in that, um, you know, when you when you start a company from scratch, you know, uh, you know, there's two ways to start a company. One is you, you know, inherit a whole bunch of connections and a whole bunch of accounts and you're off to the races, provided you don't F it up. And then the other is starting from scratch, you know, and just believing that you have something. And, you know, being a teacher at like the, the school that I teach at, you know, the governor of Rhode Island went there. Uh, we have two sitting U.S. senators that went there. Um, President Obama's national security advisor went there. So, you know, if you go to, and I actually went there myself as a, as a student, but, you know, going there, you have a large network of people. And so I felt like with our company, we could be successful because I, I felt like I had a strong network already. Um, with that being said, it's really, really hard to get paid work uh, really in, in this field, you know, uh, early on. And so at the time, you know, we were, we were maybe short-sighted as well in thinking that like, oh, if we can get on PB, Rhode Island PBS, like, some people will watch it and we'll get some money. Like maybe we'll get like $20,000 and split it four ways. <laughs> like, okay, great. Um, but, you know, I think that the, I think it ended up working out the way that it needed to work out because what we're really seeing with the craft brand um, is that, and what we're seeing in the results of uh, since the release only two weeks ago is that people are, people are loving it, um, which we hoped that they would, but we weren't sure. Um, you know, there's some craft beer, beer content out there that's interesting. And, you know, if you watch our documentary, you know, it's a lot of interview style type of questions. And so I find that to be interesting, but maybe not everybody does. 
but it seems like people are really, really finding this fascinating. And again, you know, if it does really well, uh, I could imagine other states wanting us to come in and, and, you know, do a sequel on their state because people love local craft beer. You know, I think in one regard, trying to get the craft Rhode Island, um, even out regionally into Massachusetts, into uh, New England, although I think we are doing well, um, you know, I bet a craft Massachusetts would do even better, you know, to, to that crowd. And, um, so I think the, the moral of this is, you know, if you, if you believe that you have something that's worth your while and doing, and you're enjoying it, which we had such a blast going to all the breweries. And, you know, I think I gained probably like 20 pounds <laughs> over the course of shooting and uh, doing the movie, um, especially now getting all these, all these, uh, beers made, you know, in, in honor of your movie. Um, but you know, if we didn't enjoy it, we, we would have never completed it. And I think that's, that's the most important thing. So it sucked at the time when basically they ghost you, you know, when you do all this work and then you, you're like, what the F now? Um, but it worked out exactly how it should have. And, and I'm so happy that it did, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've, uh, you've got it figured out at this point, right? You've got the, the initial kind of formula for it and you know, your hard work is paying off. I mean, like Dan had told you kind of before we started, we're all about the hustle here. And I feel like, <laughs> like you said, getting a, a media company off the ground for, for paid work to start is, you know, everyone's willing to take that free work, but they're not going to, it's tough to get those paid gigs. So that this is, uh, it is. you know, one of the best, one of the best outcomes you can see, I, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. It's, it's, you know, and even, even uh, like I'm thinking back as I look off camera, I don't know why I do that when I talk, but I do, um, you know, going to... <laughs> The Rhode Island International Film Festival, which uh, our, our world premiere was on a Saturday um, at the RISD Museum, which was the largest venue other than um, the Veterans Auditorium that they that they held it at. Um, but what was cool is that I was able to get all the craft, uh, craft breweries that are in our movie to donate a couple of cases um, to the festival. And so the opening night, which our movie didn't screen, um, all of the Rhode Island craft beers were there. And these people are like from South Africa and India and Japan and China and Germany and they're all drinking Rhode Island craft beer there. And then for our world premiere, we had an after party and all the brewers showed up and everyone that was at the movie was able to mingle with them. And, uh, and then even at the festival, I met like Sherry O'Terry who was on Saturday Night Live with Will Ferrell and stuff like that. And, you know, my sister was a little bit reluctant to go up to her to say hi, she was nervous. And I was like, Beth, what the, like, we're in this festival too. Like we have a movie in this festival. I'm going to go right up to her and talk to her. And we did. And um, it, like, even if this never came to anything or um, it never panned out, we didn't get on TV. We still had those moments and it was, it's something I'll never forget. Like, honestly, it is like, I think some, some, uh, I believe something about Mary like premiered at Rhode Island International Film Festival in like 1998, with the Farrelly brothers. And, um, you know, in our, in our movie premiered at the Rhode Island International Film Festival in 2019. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, I could probably pump your tires like you pump Johnny's. Um, but with with just the fact that you can go to different states and and it's not necessarily like people want to learn more about their state's um, beer, but more so they're taking pride in their state's yeah. beer. They want to they want to get to know those inner workings of the stories. Uh, I'm very fortunate and very lucky that and I've said it a million times that I can go hang out with different brewers from different states um, because I have those opportunities. Mm -hmm. But um, it's it's huge because uh, it's either Jamie Bogner or John Hall from Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine podcast where they ask this one question constantly to brewers and they're like, what's your hope 
for craft beer Mm -hmm. or what's your hope for beer and constantly the brewers are talking about their communities and Mm -hmm. how much they want to put back so just having the opportunity where you can continue to showcase other states um i think is awesome like people are going to want to watch it people are going to want to see that stuff. yeah and i think dan that's a that's a great point too in that you know i'm obviously a student of history and and a student of culture and, and things like that and as are my my team as well and so we really enjoyed that and you know, it's kind of a cool thing to say, you know, Matt Richardson of Tilted Barn or, you know, Dave Witham of Proclamation or, you know, Mark Ellendrung of Narragansett. And um, but they're, you know, at the end of the day, they're just people, you know, and they're people that make beer and, and they're great um, and their beer is killer. And so, uh, you know, I would imagine that going to different states, Vermont, Massachusetts, North Carolina, you know, uh, Oregon, you name it. Um, you know, it's going to we're going to start from scratch. We're going to learn what we can about it and we're going to try to produce the best film that we can. Um, but you're right. I mean, a lot of people that are watching the craft Rhode Island are, you know, they're familiar with the beers and they're familiar with some of the stories, maybe not all of them, but some of them, but they still want to see it because as you said, they take pride, um, in, in the fact that there's a movie made about their state and they, they want other people to see it. They want people to see what they're enjoying. And, um, you know, I'm sure that the same can be said for if we are able to go to some other States and, and I can't wait. I'm going to have to. We just got a treadmill, actually. So I probably need to hop on that a little bit uh, <laughs> before we head out to Oregon, if we're able to do that. But it's, um, you know, I feel like man versus food or something like that. That show that I guess they had to cancel because he gained like 400 pounds. Uh, but but uh, no, honestly, I think it's just it's interesting content. You know, documentary filmmaking, I think, is interesting no matter what it is. Um, mm. But, you know, the craft beer scene across this country is wild. And so there's just people, people want it. They want more and more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now I'll flip it to another question. Your, your company, your media company is actually very film uh, or similar to uh, my friends uh, who we had on the podcast, Kevin York media, where they started off in tech. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what they focused their uh, PR company on. Sure. And then eventually they fell into craft beer and now that's their main focus. Nice. So you're kind of doing the same thing where you started with history, you started with um, the political science uh, for your company, and now mm-hmm. you're working on craft beer. Uh, but you're still keeping your roots. And when I was watching the movie, uh, I fell in love with the story of Narragansett. Mm-hmm. Um, Narragansett you. was one of the craft first craft beers that I was able to enjoy um, or and that I really did enjoy and, and kind of what lit the fire um, to start checking out different mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so with that, uh, what was kind of your mindset when you were talking about the history of Narragansett? Uh, I think you could talk on some of the stories if you don't want to spoil it for people that are going to watch. Sure. But I think personally, one of my favorite stories was the, the Dr. Seuss uh, and talking about that. I think that's so cool. I didn't know that before. So, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up too. Before I forget, um, I, I'm going to also do this too, because what you see here are, uh, the craft Rhode Island DVD and Blu-ray. The reason I'm showing these to you is because, um, if you're interested in the Narragansett story specifically, um, the DVD and Blu-ray has about 25 minutes of bonus footage, almost half of which is more Narragansett footage, not interview, but just kind of, um, you know, they take us through the, uh, the canning process uh, at their facility at the Guild in Pawtucket. Um, and it's just really fascinating stuff. And so to answer your question, um, Narragansett was, it was, I, you can see I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Because, <laughs> you know, they started off in the, in the late 19th century, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. 1800s. I should know that I'm a history teacher. Yeah. Uh, but like they are now over 100 years old. Um, you know, Dan, you pointed out Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss was doing illustrations for their for their designs, yeah. um, for their beer trays and things like that. Um, and the fact that we were able to even get access to, again, to meet with Mark Hellendrong and BJ Mansweaty and Jim Crooks, who are the three primary guys over there at Narragansett, like think about how down to earth and how awesome those guys are to allow some company that you don't know if it's going to look like a seventh grade science project that you're filming. You're letting them in there and taking up their time to ask them questions about some documentary that may never get made. And, um, just the fact that they were so friendly to us and uh, so open to tell their stories and spend so much time with us uh, was, was probably the best part of it. I know I haven't yet answered the question about what my favorite <laughs> st- part of the story was, but, but honestly, just I'm, I'm amazed that they took so much time to even talk to us and they just kept having us back. We went back there probably four or five times. Uh, I will say this right now, too, because it's kind of a funny story. The other day I was driving through Pawtucket and making a drop off of uh, some beer and I had to pee so badly that I actually uh, pulled into the Guild parking lot because I know where the Gansett offices are. I took a DVD pretending I was going to give it to someone and I went in there and took a piss um, because I just didn't know any other bathroom to use in during during the pandemic. And so uh, hopefully the Gansett guys will hear that and laugh instead of well, never talk to me again. Um, but anyway, to finally answer your question, um, I... I, I would probably agree that the um, that the Dr. Seuss thing is probably the most interesting. You know, certainly the prohibition stories that they'll tell are also interesting. Uh, but the Dr. Seuss thing, it's like no, literally nobody has, as Mark says in the movie, nobody has that kind of history. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think a cool thing is the fact that they were able to buy the brand back in 2005 and revitalize it. And they were able to retain all of that history and all that storytelling so that people today can enjoy it, right? I mean, when it, when the brewery closed in 1983, and then it was kind of phased out, um, that was a huge, huge hit to Rhode Island. And now it's back. I mean, they're opening up a new brewery at India Point Park in Providence, right on the waterfront. Um, they're supposed to open in September. Uh, it might get pushed back to October, but people are really proud of that in the state of Rhode Island, and they should be regionally as well. And so I think probably, you know, the, sort of the, the entirety of their story from them you know, being so successful, having 65% market share back in the day to closing, to reopening, um, you know, you, you can't enjoy one part of the story without enjoying the rest of it, I guess is how I'll top out my answer. No, I, and I think it's fantastic because I, th- I think very much so your answer is, is good, is great because realistically with Narragansett, I can wholeheartedly say now after watching the movie um, I feel a lot of pride in, in the New England beer and, and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we were doing great things with Narragansett back in the day. Um, they're trying to revitalize that and bring it back. Obviously, they've done a great job with mm-hmm. that. But the only other brewery that I can think that has that kind of history and is on par with that is is Guinness. Uh, I don't think anyone else really can hold a candle to Narragansett and it's fantastic that we have it right in our backyard. It's, it's stones throw away for from Boston from us, yeah. and obviously right around the corner for you. Yeah, and um, actually, I'm not gonna, I'm I'm not gonna say what I was just about to say. That I'll I'll I'll, I'll hedge it like this: uh, if if we were able to get a, a the Craft Rhode Island beer made 
by Narragansett, I think I could probably die at that point. Like that yeah. would be, you know, I said we, we would forever be, uh, you know, uh, equated to, uh, to Dr. Seuss and, and all the other history that they have. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm pushing for it, but we'll see. So, well, that's a, I think the storytelling that, especially that you're able to do with their story is fantastic. Thank in the you. Movie. And, something that I think everyone should should definitely check out, especially people in New England, but uh, throughout the country, I think it's an important thing. Thank you. Um, you did mention that you, so you work with your your brother, your sister, and your brother-in-law, correct? Yep, that's correct. Yep. How, how was that being able to film a movie? Because I could tell you if I had to work with my brother and sister, mm. <laughs> I would string them up by their toes and just leave, <laughs> leave them there. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um... You know, it's like I said, it's hard to start a company from scratch. Uh, it's hard to, to, to ask people to do work for free. It's hard to ask people to, um, you know, take time and, uh, you know, away from things that they want to maybe do and with no guarantees of this ever seeing the light of day and to keep pushing and to bring all their talents in. And, you know, my sister and my brother with the audio, my sister, and my brother wrote original music. In fact, if you watch the movie, um, the la the end credit songs were both written by my brother. One's called Give Me Back My Beer and the other's called The Wonder Beers. Um, my sister wrote a song for the movie uh, and one of our friends actually did as well. Um, and then and then you have Nick, our brother-in-law, who was the chief cinematographer and editor of the movie. And so, uh, you know, yeah, I think <laughs> at times you want to, you know, string each other up. And, and uh, it, you know, I feel like we're, we're the band Oasis sometimes with how we go at each other. But um, at the end of the day, I wouldn't want to do the movie with anybody else. And I don't think we would have been able to accomplish it without, uh, the unique talents that we have between the four of us. So, um, you know, I, uh, I don't know what the future holds as far as, you know, if we are able to do some sequels or maybe even, you know, we're actually working on a, a political documentary right now. Um, that's probably going to end up being a short, uh, a friend of ours is running for Congress in Rhode Island. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that things worked out the way they did. And, and I, I don't think we would have achieved it without any of the four of us. How hard of a sell was that for the rest of the family? I mean, do they share kind of the same passion for, for craft beer that you do? No, <laughs> no, they did not. Um, first of all, my brother doesn't drink. Um, so he, now I will give him credit in that he, he thought that people would be into it. Um, you know, he's, he said, yeah, I think people will be into it, but um, you know, he doesn't drink. And so I think, you know, going to, to some of the shooting, uh, he wasn't as thrilled with that as, as we're, you know, pounding beers and he's, you know, sitting there drinking water or whatever. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, you know, Beth and Nick, uh, my sister and, and brother-in-law, um, they, you know, they believe, again, we all, we all probably were, getting tired of it at some point. When are we done filming? You know, when are we going to put this together? When are we going to get money? Um, but, you know, they, they showed up, um, you know, in fact, Nick and I, uh, the last week we filmed, we were trying to finish up some, some final things. And Nick and I went out there and I was running audio and Nick was running like two cameras and audio and all this stuff. So, you know, I give, I give them all a ton of credit for, for, you know, sticking it out and, and seeing it through. And I think that towards the end, once we realized we had a story and, you know, it's like, well, we're, we're this far, we might as well finish it and might as well see what happens. You know, then, then you can kind of start to see some light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, but I don't know what would have happened if we hadn't gotten into, into the Rhode Island International Film Festival. I mean, maybe we would have thrown it up on YouTube or something like that and seen what happens, but I'm glad that it worked out how it did. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, that sounds fantastic. It's nice that, that you guys could all come together for that common goal. And it's uh, always exciting to be able to, uh, like you said, kind of see the vision, even though it's not necessarily something that I think it was your brother would enjoy necessarily, but he saw that as well. And, and I think that's a huge part and it probably contributes sure. to the success as well. So um, one other thing I thought we, we'd mentioned like pride and, and community uh, a lot already to, to start. And I think that's just an overarching theme in, in craft beer as a whole. Um, with kind of everything that's going on with the pandemic and COVID-19 and obviously we're going to start to see an even larger surge to buy local and to kind of support community things. Um, how do you think that can kind of shape or kind of the, the potential series that you have in this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a follow-up even before you answer, what do you think, how, how could this series be used as a catalyst to even help that even further as well? Yeah, I think those are two great questions. And uh, I was interviewed by Rhode Island Monthly, and I kind of said a similar thing in that, you know, when it started, you know, the movie's about Rhode Island craft beer and, and you know, people, that doesn't mean someone in California can't enjoy it, but but it is about the Rhode Island beer scene. But what, what we're seeing happening, um, and if you've read the report from the Brewers Association about, you know, 30 to 40 percent of the, of the craft breweries across the country, you know, might not be able to exist much longer. I think that, you know, and people are, are saying this in the reviews that they're writing about the movie is that they have this nostalgia feeling of like what things were like only four or five months ago where you could go to a brewery and could partake in your community and meet new people and enjoy it and, and, and all of that stuff. And now we're, we're longing for that. It hasn't been that long really, but people are really dying to get back to that. And so my hope with the movie is that, you know, that person in California or Colorado or Wyoming or wherever uh, will watch that and, and they'll think about their own local craft breweries and their own local communities and make sure that they go out and support those places because tell you what, it's going to suck if 30 or 40% of them close. It, it just will. I mean, that, you know, maybe that was going to happen or, or a percentage of them were going to close anyway, but everybody's got their local favorite, you know, and, and whether it's, you know, there's almost one in every town now. And it's, again, you become close to these people, you become friends with these people, whether you made a movie or whether you just go there and hang out on the weekend. And so again, my hope for the movie is that people kind of think about, man, I should, I should look into my own, you know, backyard and my own community. And if you haven't started, you know, drinking craft beers locally, then maybe this will be a catalyst for helping them do that. And then I forgot your first question. So (laughs) re-ask it. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a great answer. And I kind of answered the first, I was thinking though, like how, how could the, um, pandemic reshape maybe if at all what your yeah. kind of original thought for kind of a series format for this would be yeah no I, th- I think that's i think that's so true you know per, we we're joking that we're you know we're going to do the craft pandemic and kind of see all the fallout from this but you know i think that we would obviously we would want to have the document a new documentary encompass some history you know whether it's oregon or someplace else um, but certainly, you know, much like the legislation in, in Rhode Island changed the way that people did business here, the pandemic is also changing the way that people are doing business across the country, whether it's, um, you know, setting up online uh, curbside pickup orders, you know, which Rhode Island has done a lot of. Um, Rhode Island does not allow for uh, alcohol delivery, like I think some states do. You know, that's another option. But, you know, a, <coughs> excuse me, being, um, being you know, a, a political scientist and a, and a historian and someone interested, interested in government, um, I'd be fascinated to see how these other breweries and other states are tackling these issues. And, 
evolving and trying to survive. You know, I think that that's a compelling story in and of itself. Um, and so, you know, a lot has changed since we finished the Craft Rhode Island in terms of you know, even some people that are no longer in the industry and things like that. But but it's it's a moment in time. And so, you know, the next documentary, whenever it is, will be a moment in time as well. And, um, you know, we're just it's their story. It's not ours. We're just there to document it. Um, and like you're saying, with uh, especially with uh, the pandemic going on, 30 to 40 percent of breweries going to potentially be at risk of closing. Um, I, I was a question I had sent you and and something that I thought was interesting because also it impacts my view on on uh, craft beer in Rhode Island, but mostly just the accessibility of it. Um, but with. Massachusetts, I think this past weekend, they just passed uh, legislature that states that uh, breweries can break up with their distributors, uh, which allows wow. for them to, yeah, it, uh, if there's, so originally, I guess it was, they had to file two or three written complaints, and then pass that, um, that would change. So um, Boston Beer Company, mm-hmm. um, they pushed for, uh, I think it was any brewery under like 250,000 barrels can break up with their distributor. Um, and Sam Adams, Boston beer company, they pushed themselves out of that saying like, we want to do this for the rest of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, so even that type of thing that I guess that battle had been going on for yeah. a decade at this point. Um, and now with Rhode Island, are we, you guys starting to see any of those changes? Like I had written out, you can only purchase one case. Right. Of, of beer and and that's a sticking point in the movie where they're like we we want to be able to distribute or not distribute more but sell out of our mm-hmm. tap room more get more people there yeah um so are you guys seeing anything like that yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean incrementally obviously you know you had the 2013 law which <laughs> allowed for 72 ounces off-site and yeah. uh you know like like one pour on-site or whatever it was and then in six, 2016 was the big break you know, they're allowed for 288, which wasn't even actually a full case uh, if you're talking about 16-ounce cans. Um, mm-hmm. And now I do believe they allow for 384, which, again, I'm a history teacher, not a math teacher. So I believe <laughs> that's actually one full case. But, um, you know, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Massachusetts, Vermont, and New Hampshire uh, are all unlimited. Is that right? I mean, you, know, you go to Treehouse. I, I can- mean, I have never spent. I shouldn't say that because I was just up in Maine. <laughs> I was up in Maine not too long ago. And between me and four other people, I think we spent close to $700. So sure. Um, and I was the only one picking up. So <laughs> well, I, I had quite a bit of beer. Yeah. But I mean, even that, right. I think Maine actually is limited to five cases in Rhode Island. Yeah. You have one case in Connecticut. You have three cases in Rhode Island. You have one case and it yeah. ju- that, that just passed last year. And uh, you know, we have a very, very powerful distribution lobby. I'm not here to attack them. Actually, my uncle works for one of the companies. Uh, he's the high-end brands manager for one of them. And so, um, you know, it's not my role role to do that. But, you know, just from uh, the point of view of someone who knows a little bit about government and someone who owns a small business and someone who wants local people to do well, um, the, the fact that there's only one, you know, that you only allow one case um, offsite is, is insane. And the fact that we had to fight so hard to get that is insane. Um, and so, you know, to the, to the earlier point that I made about the evolution of, um, of the beer industry, whether it's allowing for, you know, delivery and things like that. I, I think that even here, people are starting to see, 
uh, what is going on and you'd rather have those jobs than not have those jobs. So I could foresee some type of legislation get passed to allow for some self-distribution. I, I have no you know, knowledge or, or, or uh, that this is going to happen necessarily, but I, it would just make sense if, if these other you know, states such as Massachusetts are allowing people to break up with their distribution companies and maybe self-distribute or whatever it might be. We simply can't compete if we're not allowed to to do similar things. And, you know, uh, again, I'd have to look at it a little bit more closely, but just intuitively seeing someone is only able to take 24 cans off site per day. Um, like you said, Dan, you know, you're not going to some people will go and spend thousands and do trades and things like that. But there's no reason why you can't buy three cases of beer if you're having a party or whatever it is. That's it's just yeah. freaking insane. So. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I think it needs to happen, but we'll see. Yeah. And I think, um, again, it's a big point in the movie and, um, I forget who said it. Um, but they said it's like Rhode Island's always seen <laughs> as the step, uh, the stepchild yeah. of new England. And I want to see Rhode Island craft beer thrive. I've been to long live. I love long yeah. live stuff. And, um, I actually, I did a giveaway and I've been trying to focus on new England beer and that's kind of what my, my own brand is. I try to promote mm -hmm. new England craft beer. So my first giveaway I did, uh, I called it the taste of new England and I had a beer from each state that I, I awesome. gave away. And then this past one, I had a couple of things from long live mm -hmm. and actually the kid that, that won it. Um, he asked me, uh, they just did a long live, did a collab with Southern swell, mm -hmm. which is a local brewery to him. And he wanted to get that and oh, his hands awesome. on it. So, um, it, it just, just stuff like that, even being able to produce or not produce, but sell more than a case mm -hmm. slowly gets more visibility yep. on, on the breweries and helps them thrive throughout the country. And obviously tilted barn, yep. um, they're huge like mm -hmm. people or not huge, but, people know that yeah, they yeah. want to get their stuff. They want to get their hands on the stuff. And even the, the guys that you interviewed from New York, they yeah. came from New York to try it. So yep. it's, it's very interesting to see. And I think updating that law to be less archaic, I think it, it drives more interest in, in the area as well. Yeah. So. And, you know, obviously <laughs> New England is, uh, as a whole is, is, uh, you know, I don't know exact the exact, uh, square mileage, but, you know, we could be our own state in a way. And so mm -hmm. the, if Massachusetts does well, Rhode Island will do well and vice versa. And, you know, the, as, as you saw in the movie, those guys from New York, uh, Alex and Caleb, they were coming up and they were, they were going to Tilted Barn. And then I think they were heading up to Boston as well. And so that happens a lot, you know, whether they're coming from Maine to the southern part of the region or, or again, from Rhode Island going up to Maine or New York up to Maine. Uh, that That's exactly it. I mean, so restricting one state just so disproportionately to other states is, is really not doing anyone any favors, you know? And so that we need, I think we need some expertise there. I don't think that there are a lot of people in this state that are experts in, in, or even look at what the laws allow for, you know, that a lot of them are, are from the prohibition era. And sometimes it's just a matter of updating them, you know, but yeah. I think we need some people in there that get it and, you know, we'll, we'll have some reasonable, um, recommendations and, and solutions to these problems. Hearing you talk and, and, and obviously given your profession, your full-time profession, uh, you are, uh, very well educated politically. I would assume, uh, you speak passionately about these things in Rhode Island. I myself also am very passionate about these things politically. Um, 
and this is probably less beer related, but it's some a question that I'm that I'm I'm thinking of as I'm hearing you talk is how do you find yourself having to pull yourself back as you know the craft Rhode Island or Eleven? You know, kind of like you just said, we're not here to talk about distributors or distribution laws necessarily. Um, do you find yourself having to toe that line a little bit, or is it something where you want to take the you know, the production or the business in that and being able to kind of use your power and your knowledge to kind of maybe uh, influence these things? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Johnny. Um, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm friends with a lot of the folks that uh, have alliances with the distribution company. As I said, my uncle works for one. I love my uncle, um, you know, and, and he loves the movie, by the way. He thinks he thinks the movie's great. Um, so I'm not, again, I'm not here to attack anybody, but, I, but, but I, I would say I'm probably a little bit biased simply because I'm a craft beer fan. And if I can go to a brewery, uh, with all due respect over a liquor store, I'm going to do that. Maybe it's because I'm friends with these guys. Maybe it's because I can't get their beer anywhere else. Um, I don't think that's wrong. It's not like I only go to breweries nowadays. I still go to bars. I still go to restaurants. And, you know, I say this a lot, actually. The more restaurants and bars that carry the Rhode Island craft beers that I love, uh, I'm going to go to those places, you know. And so everybody can win if we do it properly. But it's, you know, unfortunately, it's either a lack of knowledge or it's just selfishness where these people are only looking at what benefits them. And um, if we continue it, we're going to fall further behind. I mean, that's the truth. There are restaurants and bars and liquor stores in Massachusetts and there are restaurants and bars and liquor stores in Connecticut and Maine and you name it. And so tell me why those states allow for the types of things that they allow for. And people seem to be doing fine, at least pre-pandemic. Um, yet Rhode Island is is ass backwards. It, it doesn't make any sense. So I would probably put it at maybe 65, 35 that I am biased in, in my answer. But I also think that I have a, a, a good background in, in sort of, you know, this area and you know, objectively speaking, it's, it's effing insane. It just is. It's like, we can get a little bit closer to at least what Connecticut is, which is three cases, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if nothing else, let's try that and, and see what happens. Right. Yeah. And I guess to kind of follow up, do you see, um, do you kind of feel like an obligation as, you know, this movie is a documentary, right? You said it earlier, you're just there to document, mm -hmm. uh, and to stay kind of unbiased and objective. Do you see yourself potentially in the future using these films or just the production company in general to to sway these laws that you think are kind of ass backwards, as you said? Yeah, yeah. Um, I you know, I think I've done a little bit of that in that um, you know I'm friendly with with some of the the members up at the General Assembly in Providence uh, or at the State House, and um, you know I have had discussions with them. Now I will say that the ones that I'm friendly with are ones that actually want to see legislation get changed to, right. <laughs> to, to maybe further benefit the craft craft breweries. But um, it, I think, you know, I, it's not, I'm not a lobbyist for the craft beer industry, um, but I think that if I can add a little bit of value in terms of just a perspective and maybe getting people to see the other side of things, and now that I have some, maybe some cachet to do that, uh, yeah, I would be, I would be happy to, to try to, you know, lend a hand in doing that but but certainly there are people that are far more powerful and influential um up there that that would be able to push this further than than i would just being someone that directed a, a documentary so 
Yeah, I find well, it interesting having to, because again, I'm a very, you can ask Dan, I'm a very opinionated person. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to any of these past episodes, I actually just mentioned in our in our episode last week that, uh, you know, if I I will go to a brewery and if I don't like it or if something happens, I've called out breweries by name on this podcast, which is probably going to come back to bite me in the ass. Uh, <laughs> but it's also, yeah, I mean, but listen, it is what it is, right? Like, I think something's wrong and, I, and I'm going to speak on it. And so it's it's interesting to hear someone else who has, like you said, a little bit more cachet and uh, but also another point of having that responsibility of just being there to document something mm-hmm. uh, and not really f- taking a film or a project into a totally different uh, area. So I can appreciate that uh, the, the balance there. I'm sure it's uh, a difficult one. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, if I <laughs> if, if I were picking, I'd have unlimited in Rhode Island and, and I'd go and you know, stock up and trade and do all that stuff. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not, not possible. And I don't think my wife would like that too much either, by the way, but (laughs) we'll see. Um, no, I think, and I mean, I can't really, I can't talk on it and be like, Hey, look, Massachusetts, we got it bad too, because we don't, we have the unlimited cases. We're able to buy in quantity and and be able to share and, and share what we're creating here. Um, but, I think with COVID and we talked with uh, Colm Kerwin from the Jeffrey uh, in NYC, and he said, as we go through COVID, it's slowly we're seeing these things change. Um, Maybe it's just for now, but hopefully just injecting that a little bit of common sense into um, into politics of what's going on right now. We may see actual change because in Boston, I think it was last year, Johnny, um, one of the big things was that the restaurants were lobbying against all of the beer gardens. And like you said, it's not where craft beer isn't trying to bite the hand that feeds. It's more so we want to work in conjunction, Mm -hmm. but for a bar that's not innovating or a restaurant that's not innovating and they're continuing just to serve macro and not looking at the climate around it, Mm -hmm. just going after the government and saying, or lobbying against it and being like, I don't want a bar that has so much history in the city to shut down. That's not my intention. Right. But the fact that you have uh, people like us, like 20 something year olds, millennials, and even people that are getting into craft beer and that being the thing mm-hmm. and those, those uh, bars and restaurants not adapting is more so on them at that point, rather than on the beer gardens that are there. They can't, we didn't serve food. We had food trucks that came right. by, but for the most part, it's like you have to innovate. Yeah, that's what I, business is. I think that's exactly it. And you know, <laughs> I, you, you hit the nail on the head that it's it's not. You shouldn't use legislation to, especially if you claim to be a capitalist, right? That mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm I'm a capitalist, but I actually don't want any competition whatsoever. And like, no, you need to evolve. You need to work with these people and figure out what works for everybody. Uh, and in a lot of these cases, um, you know, I'll cite a restaurant. We, we've moved out of Providence recently, but one of the uh, my favorite restaurants to go to. Actually, there's two places. Uh, one was Federal Hill Pizza, and they awesome pizza, and they mm-hmm. um, and they also had you know awesome craft beer. Not just Rhode Island, but they had regional craft beers there too on draft. And so I would like to go there. And then also there's this place, What Cheer Tavern, um, near Johnson and Wales University um, in uh, Southish Providence near downtown, but South Providence. And, you know, my sister and I would, that's where we'd go. Um, and, you know, because it was a cool spot and they also carried, um, you know, craft beers, you know, local craft beers and, and even some that are, that are regional. So, so my point earlier 
uh, you know, Tilted Barn isn't always open. Proclamation's not always open. And I'm also not always going to go to breweries. I'm going to go to places. I'm not going to go to freaking Applebee's, right? <laughs> and get Bud Light. But I will go to support local bars, local restaurants that have local beers that I like. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's a different experience from a brewery. And sometimes I want that experience rather than a brewery. You know, it can it can all work is, I guess, what we're all saying. Right. Yeah. And Federal Hill is they are really on the button. I forget what their chef's name, their owner's name is. Yeah, Billy Manzo. Um, yeah. Billy Manzo. He is he's tight with um, uh, Adam, um, one of the co-founders over at Castle Island. Yep. He's done a bunch of and Billy is like he's on Instagram live. He's doing yes, he live is. videos. He's he's talking with people, yep. um, whether that's brewers, uh, owners, breweries. And he is on the button. He knows what's going on. Yeah. And that's more of the adaption that we need. Yep. Like in Boston, if you're familiar with it, Biddy Early's is a dive bar that serves Bud Light. And right <laughs> across the street is the Trillium Beer Garden. Nine times out of ten, unless I want to go to a dive bar. I would rather go get craft beer. And yeah. we've, we've talked about Trillium before and, and our views on them, but still like just promoting <laughs> a more local business rather than like a dive bar. Yeah. And there's a time and place for everything, but a dive bar is really on my back burner. It's not something that I constantly want to go to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm with you and, and I will plug this that, you know, the, since we moved out of Providence and I, I love Providence, I still teach in Providence, but, um, I now live within uh, five miles of Tilted Barn, Shades On, uh, Whalers, and probably maybe 10 miles of Blind Cider. So, like, I'm literally a mile and a half from Shades On uh, Beer Company in uh, West Kingston, Rhode Island. And mm -hmm. it's it's awesome. Um, I, in Providence, we were close to a lot of stuff, but but we really hit the jackpot with, uh, with where we've moved. And so uh, I just wanted to plug those guys as well uh, in this podcast. Yeah. And, and as you should, like you said, it's all about promoting the local businesses. And that's what we want to do more rather than um, people that big companies that aren't going to support our local communities. We want to support the guys that are more ingrained in the in the communities and want to do that. Um, and I think that's a great segue into like one of I don't really know if it's a question, but more so just what you guys are doing with the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, personally, I have fallen in love with craft beer. Obviously, I wouldn't put my free time and no money for the past <laughs> year and a half running a Instagram just showcasing New England craft beer. Or I may not be spending my hour and a half with you on <laughs> a, a conversation about craft beer. I'm having podcast. a great time and I appreciate you doing it, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And this, But this is the conversations that we want to have. <laughs> and with the movie, I think I felt such a big connection to the guys that were starting their companies and they were working hard to provide for their families and build something that they love. Mm -hmm. uh, like Revival Story is a, is a great story where it's like, well, I wanted to go into culinary and then, well, shit, I fell into brewing. Right. Um, and it's stuff like that where personally, that's where I want to be at some point in time. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't had a passion about a lot of stuff that I've done in the past, but beer has always been something that I've been super passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why this movie is going to do so well throughout the country. And then if you guys can break into other markets, because that story of being able to show that it's a passion project mm -hmm. and then turned career is something that will turn a lot of people on. And I think especially in Rhode Island, 
after watching the movie, I was like, I got to get down to Rhode Island and I, I got to fucking support these guys because it's insane. So um, I think that's a great you guys have done a spectacular job at storytelling. Oh, thank you. I, I think it's great. So thanks. Yeah, I teach uh, 15 year olds. So if I can't get them interested <laughs> in, you know, freaking Julius Caesar and, uh, you know, Otto von Bismarck, then uh, then I, you know, <laughs> the telling, telling the story about craft beers is the easy part. So um, but I, I, that, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, again, we think the movie's obviously good, but, um, you know, I'm really interested in people that are not from Rhode Island, not that I'm not interested in my own uh home staters but i'm interested in, in how the movie plays outside of the state you know is it interesting do people want to see it um do they want to come and try the beer uh do they find the storytelling compelling and and i think that you know the point that you just made about sean larkin and i was going to do culinary and then i i did this it's it, i feel like it's just it we're, we tried to tell every human being's story in like doing what you're passionate about and your hopes and your dreams and uh, and just pushing and pursuing it, right? And then sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. But, um, you know, I mentioned earlier about enjoying just watching documentaries in general. I think that's what good documentaries do is they, mm. you know, they get you to care about the subject matter, whether you like it or not. And hopefully we did that with this movie. Yeah. And I think you guys did. And especially the, I think I could be very biased, but I think the movie plays a lot to our pillars within the craft beer hustlers. And you guys do showcase the hustle of every single one of those people and just wanting to be able to produce a product that their communities enjoy and that even tourists enjoy and that they want to come in right. and try. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. Johnny, you got anything else? Yeah. I mean, my last question for you, Dave, uh, you know, to the, the random Joe who's scrolling through, they come across the craft Rhode Island and, and they're 50, 50 on whether or not they're going to hit the play button. Yeah. Uh, why, why should they hit play? Well, if you want more movies, you got to hit play, right? We got we got to show KDMG <laughs> that that this is you know making the money and and they're gonna finance the next one. But no, in all seriousness, um, that's a good question uh, as as far as why they should watch. I would first recommend watching the trailer, and if you think that's good, then maybe you pull the pull the trigger. But no, in all seriousness, um, you know I, I I'll have to play. I don't even think I said this yet, but you know we're streaming across the country. Uh, you know I think probably everyone has Amazon, so we're on Amazon Prime. Uh, we're on Cox, we're on Comcast, we're on Verizon Fios, and then you know out west. Or if you go to thecraftri.com, you can see the rest of the um, the cable service providers for streaming. Um, but to answer your question, Johnny, um, you know I would I would say that obviously if you're into beer, you should watch it because there's not a ton of new craft beer content out there. Believe it or not, I've been you know possessively like stalking Amazon to see where we're listed every single night and. You know, there's stuff from 2016 and 2017 and even 2018, but, you know, this is a newer craft beer movie that's out there. We think we did a good job with it. Um, and, and and so I think that it's a no brainer for people that are fans of craft beer. But even if you're not, you know, we're in a friggin pandemic right now. What the fuck are you going to do other than watch TV? And we, you know, if I saw a movie that won an award, I'd probably at least watch the trailer and check it out. We want a fucking award. Um you know, there's a can of beer and a, and a glass of beer on the poster. Um, there's a two-time Super Bowl champ in the movie, right? <laughs> Even if you're an Eagles fan, I mean, you have to appreciate that. Um, and we have, uh, you know, Dr. Seuss and the Red Sox and Jaws. I mean, what more can you want? So uh, I don't know many documentaries that have that out there. So, uh, no, I, I think that hopefully people give it a shot, you know, and, and it's four bucks, right? If you don't have four dollars, like, 
how much did craft beers cost between four and five dollars right each <laughs> maybe more depending on if you're a restaurant at a restaurant or not so you know i think people should give it a shot and and i think that they'll be pleasantly surprised with what they see yeah and i can definitely give my recommendation this is a movie that you guys do not want to miss i think the storytelling is spectacular uh whether you're a craft beer nerd or you're just someone that's passionate about craft beer this is something that you need to check out and if it's something that you want to check out if craft beer isn't your bag and it's something that you want to get into i highly recommend this movie to you guys um Dave, I think you guys did a fantastic job on it. Obviously, I've been pumping your tires the entire the entire way, but uh, I would probably watch it ten times over. I appreciate that. No problem. It's super accessible. Amazon. You plugged it in other places. Um, if you guys get there, you can watch it. I would recommend buying the movie. Do not rent the movie because, again, I would watch it ten <laughs> times over, and I I've already regretted not buying the movie. And um, um, yeah, and if you like I said, if you want to watch uh, some bonus footage, you know we have a DVD and Blu-ray available too. And before you guys let me go, I um, I'd love to get up to Castle Island and hang out with you guys when we're like not gonna die if we do that. So <laughs> I I am more than happy to uh, to serve you beers, Dave, if you come on up, whether it's COVID or not. <laughs> um, but Dave, why don't you plug uh, your social medias? Uh, plug the website again. Uh, just make sure where everyone can find you. Yeah, so the movie is The Craft R.I. or The Craft R.I. Island. Uh, again, you can stream us on Amazon, Cox, Verizon, Fios, Comcast. You can check out more viewing options at thecraftri.com. Um, our Twitter handle is at 11RI, uh, but where, you, where we're really looking to, to make some headway is on Instagram. We're at That Craft Beer Movie, at That Craft Beer Movie. Um, and uh, so hopefully you guys will follow us, and we're just going to keep pumping out some some interesting content to try to get uh, some eyeballs on the movie. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. Again, we appreciate you joining us tonight. I know it's a Sunday night, but to have some beers and, and be able to talk about this great film. I, uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it too. I'm going to see if I got Ronald Acuna now in, uh, in my draft that I preset. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Dave. You have a good rest of your night. All right, guys. Thanks so much. This was fun. Yeah. See yeah, you later, no All right. See you. Bye. Bye. That is it. Another episode in the book. Again, we want to thank Dave so much, the director of The Craft Road Island, for joining us this week. Whether you're someone who is ingrained in the culture of craft beer, a craft beer enthusiast, or someone that is just interested in getting into craft beer, I highly recommend this movie a hundred times over. I think it's a five-star movie and a film that deserves all the awards and recognition that it is getting, and we are so grateful for having Dave on the podcast this week. But again, thank you so much for tuning in to episode six. You can find us, the Craft Beer Hustlers, on Instagram and Facebook at Craft Beer Hustlers. You can find us on Twitter at CBH underscore pod, and of course, we just need you guys to go onto Apple Podcasts, give us a comment, rate, subscribe, and listen to us anywhere you can get it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we super appreciate that. And next episode comes out August 5th. But before I forget, we have our first ad read on the podcast. Johnny, take it away. If there's one thing the hustlers care about more than the newest IPA release or throwing an eight the hard way, it's our oral health. That's why I'm here to talk to you about Wally Health. Wally is a transparent and affordable alternative to dental insurance. Let's face it, people, insurance sucks, and Wally agrees with you. So, whether you are late, 
on a regular cleaning or woke up with a pain in your mouth, Wally can quickly connect you to a dentist in your area so you can get the dental care you deserve. To learn more about how Wally can help, visit www.highwally.co and chat with someone on their 24-7 care team. Again, that's www.highwally.co. And if you need to schedule a visit, tell them the hustler sent you for 20% off of your first virtual visit.